Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Thank you, Father. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14. I'm going to preach to this text tonight. I'm going to make my way to this powerful text. And it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Beautiful. One more time. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I'd like you to go to Amos chapter 9 for just a moment. All throughout the scriptures, we find that the gospel is called a gospel of glory, a glorious gospel. Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. He says that the, the gospel is glorious. In 2 Th- can, you, can you help me with the babies tonight, guys? Can you help me with that? Thank you. 2 Timoth- I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14. He says this. Paul says, He's called you to this through the gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that scripture. The gospel is one of glory and the glorious revelation in its crowning of the gospel is Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight I want to talk about I see glory. I see glory. In verse 11 of Amos chapter 9, he says, On that day... I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages, and I will raise up its ruins, and I will rebuild it as in days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. And the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, the mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. (laughs) And I will bring back the captives. Watch this. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink new wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land, and no longer shall they be pulled up. My God. From the land I have given them, says The Lord your God. That scripture has been fulfilled. Yes, it has. I want you to write down this word tonight, glory. There's so many different Hebrew study words of the word glory. And often we speak of the word kabod. The word kabod of the glory means weightiness or heaviness. When the glory of the Lord comes, it can literally have a manifest tangible presence upon it where it is thick, it is tangible, it is heavy, it is weighty. 
When the glory of God filled Solomon's temple, the glory came and it, the Bible tells us that literally the priests could not even stand to minister. They fell before the Lord and could not even function and do their priestly duties within the temple. What a mighty thick glory that they were under. The word glory means this. Write it down tonight. It means high renown or honor won by notable achievements. It means high renown or honor won by notable achievements. Glory means this. It means magnificence or great beauty. It also means this, to take great pride and pleasure in. Now, I love that definition. Glory means to take pride or pleasure in. I have just been walking through the streets of Jerusalem. I've been walking through the nation of Israel, and I could see God's glory. I want to give us a big picture tonight, a big picture, a panoramic macro size vision tonight in this word if the Holy Spirit I know he's going to help me unpack this history right now is literally unfolding for us for an epic crescendo for the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords we are living in right now I believe the most epic epic hour of human history. And as I walked through Jerusalem and as I walked through Israel, all I could see was glory, the glory of God. And I saw the resurrection power of Almighty God. I could take you through the time from Jesus' prophecy concerning what was going to come upon Jerusalem, that not one stone would be left upon another. He prophesied this in 33 AD. As they marveled at the temple and the structures, and Jesus said, there's not going to be one stone left upon another. And then, in fact, he went a whole other level. He says, I'll tell you what, you tear this down, and in three days, I'll make it rise again. And they thought that he was talking about a temple made by hands. Jesus was on a whole other dimension. We know what dimension he was talking about. But in the natural, we could look from A.D. 70, when the Romans came and destroyed that temple, of A.D. 70 all the way now till May 14, 1948, when Israel became a nation again. The people of Israel were flung to the four corners of the earth. The enemy came in, ransacked, destroyed everything. No one ever dreamed or, or thought they would ever live again. No one ever dreamed they would have their identity again. They had lost everything and now thrown to the four corners of the world. Then Isaiah, Isaiah 66, go there please. And I'm going to begin to read in verse 8. Because God, see, God declares these epic revelations, these epic restorations and epic resurrections 
through his prophets. And against all odds, when, when nobody could ever dream this would happen, God declares, it will, it will be so. It will be so. It's kind of like getting up and prophesying right now and saying that God's going to totally help us to erase the debt of the United States of America. It would, it would sound that preposterous. I mean, we've, we've, told it's lit, we've been told it's literally impossible, haven't we? That's what we've been told. We'll never be, we'll never be able... That's what I'm talking about. That level of the unthinkable, the inconceivable. <laughs> inconceivable. Yes. That level, that dimension of it being so beyond the grasp of your mind, what God could do. What God could do. We have to let ourselves dream and allow ourselves to have our eyes lifted up so that we can see the things that we have not yet seen or seen before or ever dared dream. Let our heart go there and dream with God what could be possible in this hour. Uh, are, are, you, are you with me tonight? Isaiah 66, he says, Who has ever heard of such a thing? Verse 8. Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth a not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her. All you who love her, rejoice for joy with her. All you who mourn for her, that you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of her bosom. That you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. What is glory? It is high renown. It is honor that is won by notable achievements. It is magnificence. It is great beauty. And what is honor? It's to take pride and pleasure in. If the Apostle Paul could walk in this room tonight and I could just hand him the mic and say, Paul, would you just begin to unpack Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 9, or excuse me, Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 to us tonight. He would talk about this epic unfolding of a racing of time. And I like to say it like this, that we are in a momentum, in a history, in a movement with God that now time is beginning to catch up with God's eternal decree. And Paul begins to unfold the time in chapter 10, he says there is a rushing of a time that comes to a fullness and a completion that is known as the completion of the time of the Gentiles. Because as the gospel was rejected, as Jesus was rejected, the gospel was flung to the Gentile nations and went out wrapping the earth. And now the work of the Holy Spirit 
of the harvest of the ages and nations is now moving us to this crescendo which Paul speaks of. And in chapter 10, he says, we are rushing to a time of the fullness of the Gentiles. And then God will shift his work and turn back to Israel to redeem them and reveal his son to them. Wow. We're living in that epic, epic era and that time right now. We are racing towards that. Ladies and gentlemen, to walk in Israel right now would take your breath away. To fly into Tel Aviv and to see a magnificent city is like, it's like flying into New York. What God has done in 70 years since their declaration of independence, since May of 1948, it's nothing short of glory. It's glory, and it's God's glory. Come on, are you with me tonight? You're leaving me up here all alone. I don't know what you're thinking about or where you're at or where you're going to go to pizza afterwards. I'm in the Word. Are you here? I'm talking about glory tonight. I've been reflecting on this glory because it is, it is an epic glory and a wonder to behold and to think that in our lifetime, literally, Israel is breathing and living again. Just over a week ago, my wife and I, we landed with some pioneers and we landed in Miami after 12 epic days in Israel. It was the most magnificent trip. It was magnificent. It was a trip of revelatory discoveries. It was a trip of big adventures. It was a trip of humbling, humbling divine assignments. It was a trip of a lot of hard work, a lot of good work. But when I reflect upon this trip, when I sat down and I began to write in my journal at home, and I began to just swirl with the Lord throughout that nation, towering above all my experiences and everywhere I went with our team, towering above it all, was my awe and my wonder for the covenant love of our Heavenly Father, Almighty God. His love is not of this world. And yet the world stands speechless and accountable at His perfect love that was revealed in His Son, Jesus. The gospel is truly an immeasurable light of glory. We have to recapture the wonder of this glory. We have to recapture the splendor and the awe and the revelation of this gospel that is found in the living Christ. We have to. When you go through Israel, you'll find people going up to Jerusalem from all over the four corners of the earth. We ran into teams from Australia. We ran into teams from Brazil, from England, from, from the U.K., um, the Philippines, Russia, China. Did I say that like President Trump? China. <laughs> China. And what were they doing? They were flowing up to Jerusalem to pray, 
to worship and to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they were doing. From all over the world, they were flowing up to Jerusalem to worship, to pray with sacred honor to get before the Lord and give Him glory. I'm telling you what, it's a sign and a wonder. It is absolutely magnificent to to just run into Christians from all over the world going up to Jerusalem to worship Jesus. It's magnificent. Listen what Paul said in Colossians chapter 1. In verse 3, I'm going to begin to read in verse 3. Colossians chapter 1. He says, we give thanks to the Father and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for the saints because of the hope which has been laid up for you in heaven of which we heard before in the word of truth of the gospel which has come to you and it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit... And it is also among you since the day that you have heard and known the grace of God in truth. Notice that. Paul says this word, this power of the gospel is now being released throughout all the world. And it's bearing fruit everywhere it goes. That's what we beheld. And here in 2018, right now, the word of God is still going and being heralded through all the nations of the world. And it is transforming hearts and lives and shaking and transforming nations in this very hour. You think about that. Come on, give God praise, somebody. Wow. I had a thought today. And I wrote this down in my journal. Can you imagine, can you imagine if we would have told the Roman Caesar 2,000 years ago that in all the grandeur of Rome and his empire that he worked so tirelessly to eternally be remembered, that he worked so tirelessly to conquer the known world, What if we were to tell him, you're pretty much, you're going to be long forgotten. You're going to be long forgotten. All your work, all your pride, all your ego, all your building, all your architecture, all all that. You're going to be long forgotten. But then we told him, but a humble, powerful carpenter and rabbi from the city of of Nazareth, a teacher, a preacher, carrying a cross through the city of Jerusalem to be crucified. He will forever be worshipped and celebrated and honored and adored all over the world as a victorious and risen Savior. And his life and his legacy will transform the world. I'll tell you what that Caesar would have done. He would have laughed in our face and he probably would have spit in our face. But I'm here to proclaim to you, ladies and gentlemen, that the future belongs to the righteous one. The incorruptible one.
the eternal one, the incorruptible one, the living one, the one who was dead, but now he ever liveth. The future belongs to the righteous son of the living God. It belongs to the word who became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory of the only begotten. Glory! I'm talking about glory tonight. God tells his prophet Jeremiah, you can find this in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12. He tells his prophet, he says, I want to tell you a little bit about me, son. He says, I'll watch over my word to perform it. That's what he tells him. He says, I watch I watch, I declare a thing, and then I watch, and I brood over what I'm speaking and what I'm declaring because it's going to come to pass. You need to know, Jeremiah, I watch over my word. I speak it, I dream it, I say it, and I watch over it. And then he tells Isaiah, and in Isaiah 55, verse 11, he says, when I declare a word out of my mouth, the word that I declare that goes out of my mouth, it will never return unto me void, but it will accomplish all that I send it forth to do. It never, re- my God, it never returns empty. And the world mocked, and the world mocked, and the world marveled, marveled. And Hitler thought he won the day. He will be long forgotten. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. When Brent and I were freshmen in college, our, our, um, our president at Southeastern, he had a message, Dr. Hennessy, and his message for opening up each year to our chapel was, ha-ha, Mr. Devil. <laughs> I heard myself say, ha-ha, and I heard, Mr. Devil. <laughs> he says, the word that goes forth from my mouth, it'll never return to me void. See, I'm talking about macro and I'm talking about micro in your life. The word of the Lord and all the prophets of that holy word, holy inspired word of God that you are holding in your lap. There is not one word that God has forgotten about. He is watching over every promise, every word. It will be fulfilled. It has been fulfilled and it's being fulfilled. My God, I close my eyes and I'm still back in the Garden of Gethsemane, which means the oil press. Gethsemane means the oil press. I see my team. I see our friends. I see us. I see us on our knees. I see us walking through. I see us behind olive trees on our knees and before the Lord praying, waiting on the Lord where Jesus literally prayed, Father, not my will but yours be done. If this cup could pass to me, oh, let it be. But I say, Father, not my will but yours be done. He surrendered in that garden to become the Father's Passover Lamb, the perfect Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. I'm talking about a gospel of glory. 
a gospel of glory. I can see us walking through the Mount of Olives where Jesus retreated to and and he went in the night hours and he would literally sleep on that mountain with his disciples. I can feel it. The moment I turn my affections and my emotions towards being there, I told our team, I told every one of them, and you will remember, George, I said, everywhere you look, you're going to see Jesus looking right at you and smiling over you and rejoicing over you. You're going to see him everywhere. I see a hill of crucifixion. It's called Golgotha. It's a place of the skull. That we stood there where the Passover Lamb of God shed His blood. I see an empty tomb of a risen and victorious Savior. And the world is still flowing to Jerusalem now to see an empty tomb. And marvel at the glory of the gospel. And it's the glory that's found in the face of the Son of God. I see miracles and wonders. I see us at the pool of Siloam. I see us at the pool of Bethesda. I see us in the upper room where the unquenchable fire of God was released upon them in that upper room of 120, and they were baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. And they were filled with the boldness of the Spirit. And Peter, who had rejected and denied the Lord, got up and preached with power and boldness. Wildfire. And 3,000 were added to the church. And we sat on those very steps where Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and preached that message. And 3,000 people came into the kingdom. We sat on the very steps where where Peter walked out and made that declaration outside the south side of that temple. But I stood there in awe going, God, your fire never sleeps. Your fire went from Jerusalem and has it is wrapping the earth. It is wrapping nations. People are still seeking the outpouring and the baptism of the Spirit and being filled with heavenly tongues and the language of heaven. They're being ignited with the gifts of the Spirit now. I'm talking about a gospel of glory. I'm talking about a gospel of glory. What a gospel. What a God, what a Savior, what a God, what a Savior. I see our team in Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Memorial and Museum. I see the Jewish people. Through unspeakable evil. Unspeakable evil. And despicable horrors of the Holocaust of World War II. I see them rising up and fulfilling the prophet's word of Ezekiel chapter 37. Angela didn't see my notes tonight. Out of nowhere, she just started talking about, she didn't talk, she sang it. She prophetically declared it about the breath of God. 
the breath of God coming upon the dry bones. She didn't know that through several migraines that I've had today and just trying to put myself together to get here, that I was in Ezekiel 37, and it's part of our text tonight. I want you to go there right now. We're going somewhere in the Holy Ghost. I said we're going somewhere in the Holy Ghost. We are moving tonight. We are moving in the Spirit. I am moving in the Spirit right now. Let the dancing hand of the Lord just move through this place, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Ezekiel, 600 years before Jesus' birth, he receives a call. He receives an epic transformation and experiences God, prophesies, seeing things by the Spirit of the Lord that are absolutely mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. But in this particular passage... In Ezekiel chapter 37, are you there? The hand of the Lord came upon me and it brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and it set me down in the midst of a valley. And it was full of bones. And then he caused me to pass by around them and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord, uh, you know. (laughs) Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Wow. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you. You shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live, then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinew and the flesh came upon them and skin covered over them and there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds. Are you catching this? Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel, if indeed, say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off, therefore, say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, my people, I will open up your graves, and I'll cause you to come up from your graves, and I'll bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, 
and you shall live. And you will place, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and performed it, says the Lord. God of wonders. God of miracles. Everybody thought Ezekiel was a fruitcake. You okay with fruitcake? I guess that's an Illinois term. It's, a, it's one of my mom's idioms. Fruitcake. 600 years before Jesus is born. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, it was in the 1940s. 1940s that the Jewish people were annihilated and they became nothing but ash. But God had a prophet and he said, I want you to look into the future. This word is not for your day, Ezekiel. I want you to look into the future and I want you to see something. And I want you to cooperate with me, and I want you to participate with me, what I'm going to say and dream. Because if you can prophesy it, and you can speak this and decree it with me, I will cause this to come forth, and it will happen. See, God has to find a people who will declare what is already settled in heaven to be settled into the earth. He has to find a man. He has to find a woman. He has to find a company of people. Jesus taught us to pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. He never would have taught us to pray that if it were not possible. He would have never, ever told us to pray that if it were not possible. He's looking for the agreement so what is already permitted in heaven can be permitted in the earth. That's why we must be a prophetic seeing people and company of God. So that we can begin to decree and loose the resurrection life-giving power of God. The Lord listens, and he hearkens into the voice of his anointed ones. And God gave them beauty for ashes. God gave them the oil of joy instead of mourning. God gave them a garment of praise for a spirit of despair. This is Isaiah 61, verse 3. God raised them up out of the ashes of death and gave them beauty. And you are living in an era of time where literally Israel has come back from the grave. Israel has come back from the dead. Do you know what this means? Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. We are at an epic crescendo of time. 
of the return of the Son of God. I believe in my heart of heart that this generation will not pass away until they see the revealing of the Son of God. I believe it. I believe it. I hear Jesus' words. I hear his preaching. I hear his messages of life and hope. I hear his words of redemption that flew off the region of the Galilee. We were on the Sea of Galilee. (laughs) Feels good to say that, doesn't it, darling? We were on the Sea of Galilee looking all about the region. The region of to the north to the, of Capernaum, where Peter and Andrew lived, where Jesus called them, and where Jesus came down from Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum and launched his ministry there. And you could turn and you could look to the southwest of the region of the Gadarenes, where the man came down loaded with demons. I mean, it just all happened right there, everywhere you looked. But I could see Jesus and I could hear his words of life swirling and his gospel of glory swirling. It's circling the earth, ladies and gentlemen. It's still changing lives. It's still shaking nations. He said these words in Matthew chapter 5 and beginning in verse 1. He saw a multitude of people and he went up into a mountain. We went up into that mountain the mountain of Beatitudes. And he was seated with his disciples as they came to him, and he opened his mouth and he taught them, and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This most epic message of Matthew 5 and Matthew 6, this, ma- this message of the, on the mountain of Beatitudes, it changed the world. It's still changing the world. And I declare the world is still changeable. The world is still changeable. This gospel still has relevance. This gospel still has power. This gospel still has authority. This same Jesus that preached these messages, he was crucified, he was buried, he was resurrected, he ascended to the right hand of his Father, and he is coming again. And every one of his promises are true. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Everything he said is true. In Acts chapter 1, we see this amazing picture of the disciples that have now rallied around Jesus, and he's about to ascend into heaven from the Mount of Olives. 
This is the last place that Jesus was physically on the earth before his ascension. And as they are looking upon Jesus, it says, I believe in right around verse 9 or 10, it says that a cloud came and it enveloped Jesus. And Jesus began to ascend into that cloud and be taken up into heaven from the Mount of Olives. And angels appeared and they said, men of Galilee... They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Paul speaks of a mystery in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those who are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the air, and so forever shall they be with the Lord. Paul tells the church in Corinth in chapter 15, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortality must put on immortality. And so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall we be brought to pass in saying death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor, it is not in vain in the Lord. I'm talking about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of wonders, the God of miracles. Nothing is too hard for Him. I'm going back to the front of this train and Habakkuk prophesied and he said the knowledge of the glory of the Lord it's going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. The glory. We cannot lose where we are at in time. Do you know how many people are lost in time? They're lost in time. They cannot hear the rhythmic cadence of the unfolding story of God's gospel and God's glorious story. They can't hear it yet. I marvel. I never dreamed when I was a boy growing up in Cornfield, USA. I never dreamed that my feet whatever land in Israel. I never dreamed I would have the privilege to go and behold the glory of the Lord in the natural that He brought them back up out of their graves and a nation was born in a day. 
and to see them thriving, to see their hills filled with vineyards, to see new wine flowing down from the mountains, to see business and technology, people expanding everywhere. The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. What does this mean? This means that we are rushing to a time that Paul says this window of time will come to an epic conclusion that is known as the time of the Gentiles coming into its fullness. And then God will turn once again back to Israel. Why? Because God is a God of covenant, everlasting love, and it will never be broken. And Paul says, don't you dare ever think that God has ever forgotten or forsaken Israel. He's about to do his most magnificent work of revelation of his son to Israel. Why this message? Why this message? Well, I felt that it was important to give something back out of our trip. I felt it was important to let others share last week and just just watch that be whatever it was. But tonight, folks, we we need to be freshly awakened to the time and the urgency of this hour so that we understand what God is doing in the nations, in our nation, in Israel. And the consummation of all things that God is about to wrap up. This is His story. And it's amazing that He gave you and I breath to become a living soul. To walk through this time on planet earth. You hear this a lot here at Victory and I'm about to close. Jesus is the centerpiece of heaven. He's the centerpiece. His throne, His majesty, everything that's going on in heaven right now is orbiting around Him. It's finding its awe and wonder all about Him. His throne, His beauty, His glory. He is coming again, just as He said. And He will bring all heaven with Him. And 10,000 of 10,000 of his glorious saints with him. Jeremiah gave a prophecy. It's in Jeremiah chapter 3. That Jerusalem will become the very throne of God. Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah rips off this unprecedented, unprecedented prophecy of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And him defeating every enemy of Israel wiping them out, annihilating them, and his feet hitting on top of that mountain called the Mount of Olives once again, which he ascended from. Zechariah says that the earth will open up and an earthquake will blast and totally redo the topography of Jerusalem. And the kingdom of heaven will come down and Jesus will blow open the eastern gate and walk in and establish his throne forever and ever. And will begin a 1,000 year reign on planet earth. Now. What that does to your eschatology, let it excite it. 
I, I, I've got friends that believe pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Hey, this ain't about that. I heard that too back there. I'm telling you what, I, I think that we've got to get our minds renewed that the kingdom of God is really coming. It could be just a few short years. I see my dear friend, Pastor Gene, back here, 80 years young, on fire for God. His dream is to be here when we're raptured out of here. Think of that. It could be just a few short years where we would see the Lord returning to planet Earth. He's coming. And I want to tell you again, he watches over his word to perform it. When he says something, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. I see glory. I see glory. I see honor. I see glory. Why don't we stand? Why don't you put your Bibles aside? Cody, would you just come and join me for just a few moments, and we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Would you just lift your hands tonight? You're the God of wonders. You're the faithful God who keeps his word to a thousand generations. You keep your word. You keep your word. You are faithful. You are true. It's your very name. You are faithful. You are true. Lord, I am so thankful that in our lifetime you are doing what you are doing. And this is the greatest hour of the church. This is the greatest hour to be alive. This is the greatest hour for Israel. I believe this is the greatest hour for America. Lord, you work wonders. Lord, may you use us to prepare the way of the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you prepare our hearts? Would you prepare us? And may we prepare the way of the Lord. May we make ready this region. May we make ready this city. May we make ready our nation. Awaken us, Lord. Cody, you there? Thank you, Lord. Take the hand of the person next to you tonight. I know we did this earlier, but I want to do it again. Thank you, Lord. Tonight, I want you to think about Jesus right now. I don't want you to think about yourself. People get offended when they hear messages that aren't about them. <laughs> it's amazing. I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to think about the glory of Jesus. 
I want you to think about his beauty. I want you to look upon his beauty and say glory. Just give him glory and honor. Glory to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Glory and honor to the name of Jesus. Lord, Lord, upon this family, would a move of your spirit blanket us to see our lives differently, to see our world and our times differently. Help us to see what you see, Lord. Help us to sing and declare and prophesy what you say, what you sing. Oh God, I thank you for that man named Ezekiel who would dare stand and prophesy with you that the bones would come to life and he would prophesy your breath and your life into your people oh God I pray in the same way God that we will be a people who will take courage in this hour to declare the word of the living God to see in spiritual realms to see your work in the nations and herald them Lord so that we can run with fire that what you desire on the earth will be accomplished that we will say what you are saying that we will move into what you are doing God in this hour let us hear a pure word let us see the will and the word of the Lord And let us be those that decree and say yes to it and make ourselves come into alignment and ready for that word of the Lord. That's who we desire to be, Lord. That's who we desire to be. Lord, however, you will use this company of believers in the nations, in Israel, in Washington, D.C., in the nations of the earth, in this region, to this state, I say, let it be, Lord. The big dream that you're dreaming, the vision, the reason you have put us together and ordained us and anointed us and called us to be family in the kingdom. Let that dream be fulfilled. More than good services, Father. More than good church. More than all that stuff. Lord, may your dream be fulfilled over this family. That's what we desire, Lord. That's what we desire. We're so simple, God. We're so humble. We don't have all the best. We don't, Lord, we don't even have a building yet. And here we are. Here we are just seeking your face and going after you. 
You're going to provide every need that we have. Hallelujah. We have just come to give you all that we are. All that we are. And Lord, I, I even say tonight, our buildings and properties, they're not even our vision. You're our vision, Lord. You're our dream. You're our vision, God. You'll provide what we need. You've already made the way. You've already provided. We'll just walk into it. And our time will catch up with your decree. We believe, Lord. We believe. I bless every one of you to be sold out, radically committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, to burn with fire to burn with holy fire, to burn with love for Christ. I bless you to look for His soon appearing, knowing that the King is coming to earth to rule and reign and power and great glory. It is unprecedented for us to get our minds around it, but let your Spirit say yes, and let the Spirit of the Bride say, Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I bless you. I pray that this is a supernatural week, a supernatural week of exploits, of breakthrough, of great favor for you. In Jesus' name, you are so loved. You are so treasured. You are the beloved of God. You are the beloved of God. It took me a long time to get to this statement, but I want to say it tonight. If God could be so patient... If he could be so patient in his covenant love, knowing that he would rise Israel from the ashes of death and make them live again, and he would prepare them to become a nation again for his triumphant return to this earth, you better know that God's loving covenant faithfulness to you, it will never fail. It will never fail. He will never fail you. God will never fail you, my friend. He will never fail you. You are blessed. You are the beloved of God. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Glory. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.